So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast, episode 77, and oh, we've got so much in store for everyone today. We've got uh, an absolutely killer round six of Super Rugby, got an interesting couple of games in the Six Nations, only two or three played, as well as our way too early Wallaby preview. What team do we think Dave Rennie's going to put out in the golden uh, jersey later on this year? But we'll start with Super Rugby. Couple of wins, couple of losses, couple of upset picks. Uh, but it all started on Friday night, and we had Leo. You were at the double header, um, Brumbies and the Tards. How do you like it, mate? Mate, Wind Stadium was was pretty well packed out. A lot of Brumbies fans traveling to Wollongong to to sit in the Western Grandstand, stare across the ocean, and, and enjoy the the blowout that the the Brumbies put on, which was great. Um, really enjoyable game. Some was some was brought a bit of. Vigor, but really the, the Brumbies had that game in control. It was, it was a good spectacle. Uh, then retire across the road to the Steelers Club, watch a bit of Crusaders-Reds, good close game there, and then came back for what I was hoping was going to be a competitive game. And, and to be honest, the first half was, was you know not too bad. It felt like we were getting a, f- a few tough calls against us from Angus Gardner, uh, Waratahs starting behind, but, but taking the lead going into the half. And then the second half was just... An absolute debacle. Uh, one of those, one of those real disappointing Waratahs efforts where it just looks like they're completely at sea. Senior players are trying to do too much, and a lot of the guys just making basic errors and, and letting the side down. And Chiefs, being one of those really dynamic teams that love a counter, they uh, they put on a show. So I mean, in one sense, it was it was good rugby from one side, and that was enjoyable. But uh, the Waratahs fans down in Wollongong might not uh, might not have as many reasons to want to go again if it's going to be like that every week. Yeah, I think they'll be wanting to have the Brumbies back a little bit more um, down to Wollongong, maybe maybe less so the Tars. Yeah, no, the Brumbies, Brumbies put on a good show and, and it was good to see at a 2.45 time slot when, you know, presumably most people are, are working a Friday. A lot of people travelled in. The atmosphere was, was pretty lively. Uh, good good cheers and chants from the stand. A few, a few loose units, even that early in the afternoon but um you know the hill was filled out lots of yellows yellow brumbies members caps um good good show from them and they hung around to shake a few hands and and say hi to the crowd which is nice as well absolutely toby what was your favorite game of the weekend mate i still think the brumbies i love watching them and also a reds performance that i think if they actually had a kicker they could have won that game it's um it's pretty Mm. disappointing they kicked zero from four Four pretty decent tries from them, and yeah, they just show they're showing a lot of promise. to To put on a performance like that in Christchurch is pretty impressive. I think they're playing with quite a lot of confidence. Probably missing Isaac Rodder wasn't the greatest for them, but you know they've showed that they can actually match it with one of the best teams in the the competition, being the Crusaders. So I was I was pretty entertained by that. 
Um, but mate, again, I'm sad. The, the Waratahs, they're just they're letting me down again. So even after your heartfelt say? plea last week of just asking them to be better, I told them. I told, told them. them. I get sad. Yeah. And now, are they the worst team? No, probably not the worst team in the competition. Second worst, probably, which is um, which is pretty terrible. With the the roster they have, they do have some players on there. They're just not stepping up, and it's it, it is killing me. Mm. Of course, Waratahs are not our deep dive this week. None of these games are. We're looking a bit more in depth at the Hurricanes and Blues, but we'll we'll go through those scores we've been talking about. Brumbies obviously um, getting over the Sun Wolves, forty-seven fourteen, when the Crusaders. Just pipping the Reds, despite the Reds scoring four tries to three, 24 to 20. Um, the Chiefs, 51 points on the Tars, only scoring 14, as we said. Um, the Rebels get another win uh, down there at Amy Park, 37-17 over the Lions. And they're starting to gel a little bit more, um, those Rebels. They're putting on some, some exciting play. Um, we had the Sharks heading back home and taking down the Haguaras in Durban despite being the team having to do that, that long-haul flight. Um, but very, very impressive from the Sharks. And then the Bulls taking down the Highlanders. The Bulls channeling a little bit of their um, uh, Mighty Ducks, really, with the, the half-time um, jersey swap <laughs> to, to come out and, and bring a new attitude and really run away with it in the second half, 38-13. to 13. When I tuned into that game just for the highlights, I just I thought it was completely ridiculous. Those jerseys looked identical. Um, it's just, yeah, yeah, it terrible, was not good early terrible on in that game. Yeah. yeah. And it's, really, it's probably the worst I've seen it, to be honest. Well, the thing is, it's already happened with the Crusaders earlier in the year wearing a blue jersey. Like, why, why is there... Why are all the alternate trips for the Kiwi teams that sort of lightish blue colour? the colour that's probably most common among all other teams. Why are you not just doing inverted jerseys? You get the Highlanders. Why don't they go back mm. to their fluoro green one, the one that doesn't clash with anything? <laughs> yeah. Adidas rugby, mate. You need to have a chat to them, I think. Nah, we should. We should. Of course... <laughs> of course, the deep dive is the Hurricanes and the Blues. The Blues down in Wellington, but winning this one... And a few cards in this game, mainly for the Hurricanes, a red and two yellows for them. The Blues winning 24-15. And looking at our um, tipping group, I think only one person tipped this. And that was me. I'm pretty sure I, I called this last week, didn't I? Was that me? Was that me last week? I think it yeah, was. Yeah, somehow. Yeah? Somehow. And you topped the week again, even though everyone had a pretty poor time of it. You still managed to come out on oh. top. Amazing. No, so it, was good, to you, it was a good tip. Somehow you foresaw that the Hurricanes would be absolutely devastated by by cards. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about the, the interpretation of those those decisions and whether we agree or not. But, um, yeah, look, no, the Blues stayed in it. The, the Hurricanes were very strong early, and, and they earned the win. So credit to them, Arch. It's, it's nice to be in a winning town. I think that's their first win away from home against New Zealand uh competition since like 2013 yeah, that is a long streak to break yeah. like 20 something games that's how hopeless the blues have been in derbies away from home um that's that's an impressive record it's and i'm sure they'll have a lot of uh beers to, to get rid of that monkey off their back what do you think's been the biggest improvement from this blues team this year 
Because, I mean, they don't have a huge amount of different talent. Obviously, Bowden's there, but not playing yet. So what what is it? Is just a overall overall sort of maturity from some of these players in the way they're approaching the game? or, or are they I think just... they've finally, after a few years of trying a lot of different players and, you know, keeping guys in the squad and, you know, working on player development, guys like Atera Black and Stephen Perifetta are, are becoming more mature playmaking uh, pieces in that in that back line at the very least. And, you know, a, a leader like Patrick Tuopolotu, like he's doing a lot in the forwards, he's really setting the standard and the guys are lifting to to play with him. They've got some good forwards with um, uh, Carl Twangafasi and, mm. um, and I can't remember the other prop. You've got to mix Opa. up anyway. Carl Twangafasi and Opa uh-huh. Twangafasi. I had this problem in the first episode. Yeah. I'm okay. telling you, it's difficult. My mistake. I apologize. Um, but, you know, th- those guys who've, who've been in, in the All Blacks squad, they've they've been around. They're just, you know, a couple more years, Super Rugby, playing at that intensity, starting to get the combinations working together. Um, guys, you know, I remember two years ago, I think we were watching and you'd see Akira Ioane and Rico Ioane just being the only shining lights in this side. They'd just be barnstorming. There'd be no support. They'd make a break. They'd be forced into a turnover because there was just no one else there. Those guys aren't even the focal points anymore. Mm. So the rest of the team has developed, and and those playmakers have developed. Um, you know, I'm sure they were thinking they'll bring in Bowden Barrett and bring in that seniority. Well, these the way these guys are playing, they're going to get through the the most of the season and have a pretty good record, even when Bowden arrives. Like, they're certainly not um, suffering without him, and and that's a great sign because. They've got the depth there now. They've got guys who understand uh, the combinations, who understand the game plan. And, you know, we thought they would be overrun with 10s. Well, they found room for Perifetta at the back, and he's he's playing the lights playing the lights out. Where where do you think Bowden does play? Do you think he comes into 10, or do you think he he goes to 15? I think he goes into 10. 10? And no, what, you see The 15 experiment, I, I hated that last year. I thought it was terrible. I think they really derailed four years of... Four years of preparation by moving to that structure last year. Yeah, that was a really silly move. They were just trying to get two great players in the same team. You can't always get two great players in the same team. Sometimes you got to leave Stuart McGill on the bench. <laughs> yeah, who's Stuart McGill though? That's the question. Oh, cricket! Australian cricket fans will know who's Stuart McGill. Oh no, who is? Is it? <laughs> no, no. Is it Richie or Bowden? Scenario. Ah, oh. yeah, fair that's enough. That's the question. Yeah, but. That's... I can't see I can't see Bowden playing anywhere else but ten unless they're they're willing to actually continue with that All Blacks experiment of him at fifteen, which I doubt they'll do. So I think the push will be for him to come in at ten. Then it probably the the scenario is does Parafetta keep the fifteen jersey, or do you shift to Terry Black into the fifteen jersey? Is that something they could do? Um, we'll have to see with that. But I think look, the Blues' defense has really improved. I think is one thing that I've noticed overall. They probably, apart from week one against the Chiefs, where they leaked, I think, nearly 40 points, they've only really leaked up to about 25 points. I think that was the Crusaders. Um, the rest of the time, they've kept teams um, limited on the scoreboard. I think particularly in this one, it was um, pretty evident that they were containing a, a Hurricanes team that was full of aggression, full of intent. In that first half where they had a lot of the possession, I think um, they did really well to keep the points down. And in the end... 
the Hurricanes shot themselves in the foot a bit, but the Blues, to their credit, played a pretty solid game and, I don't know, just a pretty balanced performance by them. So let's talk about the Canes, and obviously the big controversy here was the cards that got handed out. So you had a red card early to um, Tyrell Lomax that put them down to 14, which um, was a shoulder charge to the head. They they were complaining, TJ and himself, that he hadn't tucked the arm. He had his arm up, but he just made first contact there. Um, so you had that, and then you had Vea Fafida um, also doing a shoulder charge, no arms tackle late in the game, and then Geordie chucking out a hand um, to to spoil a try and ends up conceding not only the penalty try, but gets a yellow card for his trouble as well. Do you think they're all reasonable reasonable results of penalties? I think the the shoulder from Lomax, it's unfortunate, but the way that, again, the way the rules are written, I think that was an accurate interpretation, an accurate um, execution and decision based on the rules. It's another argument whether you think that was something that they should penalise with a red card. It's pretty severe, but we know the stance, and, and so to me that one's simple enough. It's it's you, you didn't get your arm in there. Maybe it, maybe it was coming around, but the fact is you you put full force of the hit uh, into the guy's head with a shoulder, and and the arm wasn't in contact yet. So I, I don't think I can argue that one. Although you know you, you hate to see the the game get spoiled by a red, I think that's just that's what the rules say. But I I, I take issue with the card or it's possibly the penalty try to um, to Barrett to Geordie Barrett. He clearly put his arm out with his hand up, trying to knock that ball up for an intercept. And my understanding of that rule is that if you're trying to trying to take the intercept and you, you make it somewhat playable, if you don't get it, it becomes a knock-on. If you're deliberately spoiling, it should be a penalty and maybe a card depending on you know words the refs already had. And if you have uh, no, no line of defense beyond the player that spoiled the attacking play then yeah, it's a penalty try. And, you know, all, all of that was true, except I don't think he spoiled it. I think he knocked it up and tried to tried to play at it. And while he didn't do the best job, the intent wasn't to spoil. And I, I, I don't know, I, I think that one was harsh. I think that probably could have been maybe a yellow card if there are a lot of penalties. But really, I think it probably qualifies to be the knock-on. I think it went up in the air. It shouldn't even really be a penalty based on that. Hmm. He didn't knock it down at all. He was going for it. It was a genuine in, attempt at an intercept. I was disappointed with that decision. And then to have penalty try and yellow card. Look, if it was just a yellow, maybe a bit more acceptable. Um, and I guess you can't really take too much of the context of the match at that moment. The fact there'd already been a red and, he, and another yellow card to Vea Fafita, which was a pretty stupid um, play by him. I think Geordie's one was too harsh. I think it was the wrong call. I actually think it cost the Canes the game. I think they still were fighting for that victory. It would have been 17, I think 15 at that stage, seven minutes to go. I think the, the Canes might have still got this game. Um, that last card really sealed it for them. The Blues, look, they, they took their opportunities where they could, but I think the Canes looked the more dangerous team in the end. It was just unfortunate. They definitely looked dangerous throughout the match. Um yeah, I guess I guess it was it was probably the run of those cards. I feel like the the Blues probably wouldn't have gotten away with the win 
if the cards hadn't occurred, it was 15 or 15 through. Um, but it's interesting to see the chinks in the Hurricanes' armour this year. So no Bowden, bit of change in the forwards. Um, they they certainly don't have the platform mm. they had for that, what used to be a really elite back line. They've still got a lot of the backs, but it's just not as quite as cohesive. Fletcher Smith is doing an ample job, but it's it's certainly not what it used to be with Bowden. I don't feel like Geordie's stepped up particularly. I think he probably tries too much to um, use his size and, and physicality to bust through rather than being a, a subtle kind of, um, you know, finessed hand at 15. I think he had a good game, though, overall. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not saying he had a bad game. and he's, or he's I just don't think he's, I don't think he's playing to his strengths. Yeah, I, I guess they're not, they're not getting as much out of people like Lamapi um, that they used to. It's just not, seem, seemingly not getting the penetration and I mean, maybe maybe it's more that in that particular game, the Blues' defense, as you said, have have stepped up this season. Um, maybe they're just a stronger outfit, and that's why they're not getting the penetration. But I mean, it's rare Lamapi doesn't get a couple of line breaks in a game, and I don't think he got that this week. A couple of half breaks, I think. But yeah, I mean, it is difficult when you don't have a veteran or a high class five eight there. I think Fletcher Smith. I didn't really see him much in this game, actually. If want to come to think of it, I actually had to take a second to think who was playing 10 was a garden bash up. Um, but you can't miss that ass anywhere. So must have been Fletcher Smith. Um, overall, look, I think <laughs> I think, um, I think, think the Canes, there's some good signs. There. I actually wouldn't... There's not much to split these teams, I think, overall. Um, if you look at it, I think the Blues and the Hurricanes at a similar stage where they've got some young guys coming through few veterans in there but they're, they're prone to make some mistakes I think on their day they can beat most teams but Canes I think they dropped a bit too much ball in this one they didn't capitalize on the possession in the first half um, but even then they came pretty close and at one stage they had 12 people on the field so that's a decent team um, they're not going to be any threat of I think losing to a team like the Highlanders and being bottom of the conference but the Blues there is some sort of aura around them at the moment, and even on the pre-match, I think the the commentators were basically talking about: is this their year to make a run at the finals? <clears throat> is this kind of the renaissance of the Blues? I don't know. Um, I'm still not quite sold on it. But if Bowden comes back, I think that could actually really lift them. Although Terry Black's been pretty, I guess he's been utilised well. He's improved, but. I think Bowden, he might just set them set them alight in that back line. Guys like Talia really stepping up, I think. And Akira, I mean, sorry, uh, Rico Yuani, Marchant. They've got some talent mm. out wide. So I think Bowden might actually be able to take them to the next level, Crusaders level kind of class there. So interesting Talia to see was what excellent. happens. Yeah, he was. It was really, really good. I didn't see really much evasive. of him at all. And yeah, just making guys miss all over the place and, and not just sort of backstepping and going sideways, like then really leaping through the line and, and, and driving hard to, to break out of tackles. That was really impressive. Great game by him. To be fair, Archie called, I think you called Talia probably week two or three. You were saying he's, he's class. Um, yeah, well, he I was dominating sure. he was some bit, stats early. Yeah. I thought he was a bit erratic, but I think he he's really showing how evasive and he's got a good fend on him as well. Mm. Um, so real threat there at wing and gets involved, which I think more Australian wingers need to do. 
Yeah, he does. He pops up all over the field a bit, a bit like Corabidi looks hungry for work, which is always always a good sign. Um, yeah, I think you're. I think the Canes they have just dropped off a little bit, and I think it is partly like starting from their sort of set piece and their forwards just not being quite as dominant as it has been in previous years. There's lost a few people. I think not having Artie Sevilla on the field for them probably is just a massive blow for them as well. Like, he would just give so much energy and so much power and go forward uh, a lot of the time for them whenever they need that person to to get them over the game line and actually spring something. It's pretty much Artie or TJ or Laomapi is like, that's the three people I think of when I think of the Canes. And it's it's pretty evident when, I mean, Walker Lawery's got some great skills and he's quite mobile, he gets through gaps, but he just makes those little errors that, mm. that crop up too frequently and I think that just kind of typifies the Canes overall. They have so much raw talent there, but even Karifi, there's there's just a few guys that are still developing. Yeah. I think in two two years or so, two, three years, they could be really coming into their own, but the moment they're going through a bit of an awkward phase where they could be on fire one one kind of 10-minute period um, and the next do something stupid, drop a bunch of ball, and then they're behind the eight ball. So mm. definitely a team that's, um, I think, yeah, they're, they're not, in no way is going to fall down the, the pecking order too much, but they're definitely not the Canes of old. They they do miss those key, those key pieces, I think, um, which is going to take a while to kind of replace. Mm. So the Blues, looking ahead, they've got, Games against the Lions next week at home, and then they host the Brumbies as well. Um, that's the doubleheader with the NRL game, the Raiders versus the Warriors prior to it. And then they go and play the Crusaders and then host the Hurricanes again. So some really tough games for them in the next little while. It'll really show if if this sort of form that they, they've had, if that, if that continues, that's really going to be proof that they're the real deal and they're, they'd be looking at sort of finals contention for that. Do you think they make it? Uh, no, I don't think. I think they miss out. Um, and I think that's purely because of some of the domestic matchups. I think they're going to struggle. Um, and I think... I don't I don't see them beating a team like the Brumbies or the Crusaders. I think that's just going to set them back a bit. Um, but, look, I think they'll get close. I think it's a similar situation maybe the Rebels will find themselves in. Mm. Do, do you think they finish above the Canes, though, in standings? It's possible. I can see those two possibly being like a you know tied at the end of the season, trying to get that eighth wildcard spot. That's that's sort of where I see them. I think there's only room for one. And if you assume that you get, say, Brumbies, Reds, uh, Chiefs, Crusaders, Sharks, Stormers, Haguaras, like that's seven. So not a lot of room for anyone else. It's a it's a Rebels. Um, you know who else is any good? Rebels. Blues, Hurricanes, that's kind of it. I don't think the Waratahs just, are there. I don't think the Bulls are there. Yeah. Lions, Highlanders. I'd back the, I'd back the Haguares or someone like that to kind of take their spot in the final. Well, I think the Haguares will make it anyway. I, I think one of the Hurricanes, Blues and Rebels will get in. I, it could be the Blues. It could be the Blues. Mm-hmm. We'd have to see. It's almost, a, it's almost a touring. Like, what's their schedule? Like, if the, if the Rebels... Get, get easy games at home and hard ones away and can't take any of those away games, well, it only takes a couple of wins on tour against softer opposition. If the Blues have to, 
um, play soft opposition, then you know that could be in their favour and that could be enough. Hmm. The Blues uh, have already no, beat the Waratahs in Sydney, didn't they? Yeah, well, the Blues have got a couple of wins overseas, two wins over in South Africa. Um, the Hurricanes did go on that road trip right at the start of the year. They did get the one win over against the Haguaras, um, but then the loss gets the Stormers, so they're all staying at home, but it's not necessarily the best thing for them. The, those Kiwi teams tend to win more on the on their tours to Australia, South Africa, than they are against um, back at home, so... It might might be tough sledding for them, but um, I think the Rebels are maybe in with a shot, but they, they'd have to get a couple of wins on tour as well. That's that's what's really going to hold them back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's that's going to be the challenge for them to to try and take that eighth spot. It's it's you know it's typically the difference a team that can win a few away from home, and hopefully bag of the home wins they need to get against their conference counterparts. That's that's essentially. How you get into the eight? Yeah. Do we know? Do we know when Bowden's actually back into this team? So he's apparently playing a club game. Uh, I don't think it's this weekend. The weekend after, so coming up in April, he should be back around and available for selection. You'd have That's to imagine that he wants to. You'd have to imagine he wants to be there for the Crusaders game, something like that. Um, just after the bye week. Yeah, I won't be surprised. probably surpri- something he'd be aiming for. I won't be surprised because he could do that and then also be back for the home Blues game against the Canes, um, against his yeah. own team as well. So mm. I won't be surprised if that's what he's targeting. All right, we'll leave the review there because I really want to get into our Wallabies picks. And boys, we haven't we haven't discussed this before. We're going to into this straight up. I want to hear your full teams, and we'll see whether whether we whether we get any matches here or whether we're all over the park. I've I have to say I was putting this together um, over the last day or so, and I was surprised at what names I was coming to um, that I think have real opportunities to take take a starting position and who I was leaving out. Um, but we'll start, Leo. Why don't we start with you? Take us through your Wallabies team for twenty twenty. Well, as you said, Arch, I was also surprised um, in in who I ended up. Some of these names, so uh, I'll, I'll run through it from the from one to fifteen, yeah. and yeah, try try to try not to take a big breath. Uh, so I'm I'm sticking with I like I like combinations. So I'm sticking with the CO Falafainga Alatoa front row. Love I know it. that's getting rotated a bit at the Brumbies, but I think that's a solid established combination, and and you'll see on the bench as well that. There's some combination there too. I've gone for the Reds combo of Rodder and Lucan Sakai Elotto. Um, that's based on, you know, we've had a big exodus of players. We've had people like Rob Simmons that I wouldn't ever put in my team ever. And Lucan's versatile enough. He can play in that second row. Um, I think he deserves a run uh, as opposed to some of these more minor names that haven't really proven themselves at the Wallabies level. Back row of Valentini, Hooper, and Nicerani. I think that's fairly straightforward. There's there's a few different combinations you could pick there, but that's mine. And again, the bench, my bench reflects some extra depth and variety that I want to have in the 23. My backs, I've got McDermott and James O'Connor. Uh, tens for me, there's some young tens who are standing up. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're doing a really good job, but I don't think they're going to get the first chance. I think James O'Connor is currently proving himself uh, is established Wallaby, and uh, all the other teams really, you know, the only established 10 maybe is Tamua, and he's not even in my 23. I just don't have any faith in him. Wow. Uh, and this is this is where I um, it gets really unusual, maybe. Um, the centers is really difficult, and I've actually gone Iray Simone and Tavita. So I've gone the Brumbies combination here. Uh, again, combination base. They seem to play really well together, and I, I don't think there's a standout um, specialist 12 getting around at the moment. So this is an opportunity for Iray Simone uh, to, to step up and, and grab this grab this position for himself. TK comes back into the fold. Um, again, as per combination, um, you know, there's other people who stand out at 13 too, but I think I think he can hold that spot in partnership with Simone. Uh, Corabidi, DHP, and Banks around the back. So a decent amount of kicking, some good counter attack, lots of energy, lots of effort. Um, so then onto my bench, or do you want to do the benches later? You want to hear it all in one? I'll just yeah, run us right right through the bench now. So on the bench, Alex Murphy is my backup hooker. I think he's been playing really well when he's not been injured. Uh, Slipper and Tupo. So Slipper obviously got that yeah. the rest of the Brumbies combination there. He's almost interchangeable with Scott Co. But again, I think the young buck gets the run and, and Slipper's wily tactics come on later in the game. Tupo's energy comes in later at the game. Murphy um, is very similar to Flaufinger for me. So I think that keeps you strong all the way through the 80 minutes. Uh, Matt Phillip is my backup second row. I think he's, uh, again, developing well, big frame, maybe doesn't have the, the intensity for, for a full 80 minutes, but bring him on with 30 to go, and I think he's pretty capable. I'm rewarding Liam Wright and the youngster rookie Harry Wilson. Just love those two in the Reds' back row. Heaps of energy, good leadership, um, and, and again, really can, can have a big impact. We need, we need a man on the ball late in the game. To, to create some counter opportunities. So that's Liam Wright for me. And I'm sticking with Joe Powell as my backup scrum half. And as I've always said, Kurtley Beal on the bench, very flexible utility op- uh, utility option there and best used when he's fresh and everyone else is a bit tired and there's a few gaps opening up. So he's not trying too hard all game. He's not a linchpin in the in the starting side. He's, he's got a bit of freedom to attack where he sees opportunity late in the game wow a couple of big surprises in that team um i'm really surprised you went with lucan in the second row i did not think that you were a big enough fan of of him and and what he does just around the field and a bit a bit of the errors he does this is by no means like compared to maybe the last couple of years this is this is not necessarily a a stronger Wallabies team than that team. This is a rebuilding team. Um, I haven't seen enough out of second rowers yet, and I think if you if you tell Lucan that that's his role and he's he's got to step up in that position, I I probably wouldn't bank on him sticking out the season there. This is what I think they'll go with first up. Um, I would like to see some of the youngsters come in and and um, try and own one of those second row spots, but I just don't think people like Harry Hawkins. Or um, maybe don't think uh, Angus Blythe, Darcy or, Swain. Yeah, Darcy Swain. Like those guys just don't excite me at all. We've lost so much second row stock. I'm just not willing to go to Rob Simmons. He's better off not having him at all. 
I'd play with 14 over having Rob Simmons lying on the ball. <laughs> Toby, what's your biggest shock out of his team? Um, again, I was, again, surprised about Lucan, given Leo's opinion of him in the past. Um, I know that he can play second row. I just think he's better at six. But I think he provides coverage there, which is good. Whether he's a full-time international lock, mm. I think that's still remains to be seen. But apart from that, I think it's a pretty solid team. Simone is someone that's also in my team um, at the moment. Stop I just it. think, yeah, just he's my the, twelve as the well. Passing ability, really. The carrying, wow. the passing ability. He just very like he varies his game up. He's Guy's 105 kilos who can pass the ball, kick the ball. Yeah. Um, just multifaceted game, which I really like. So um, I think he's the form 12 in Australia for sure. Um, and An I've got a few other surprises game. in my team, I think, that you might, that you might find surprising. All underrated right. as well, yeah. I agree. All right, Toby, take us through your team then. Let's see. Let's see what we change. I feel like the front row is the same, is it? The front row is pretty standard. No, I've got Tupo in there. Tonga oh, Thor should start. Of course, start, you think. have the runaway rhino runs into Toby's he needs team. His, he needs his opportunity. He needs, uh, you know, 80 minutes or 60, 70 minutes at international level consistently. I think he's can provide such a good impact off the bench, but I just think his all-round game beats Alalatoa. Um, he may be a bit more of a liability, but I think he's just coming into his own this year. He's scoring tries. He's a great yeah. scrummager. Um, he doesn't do much wrong around the field, really. Maybe some lapses in terms of his um, discipline occasionally, but I think that can be ironed out of his game. Um, second row, I've got Rodda. I think he has to be there. Um, he's just a consistent performer. Uh, big body, I think he can improve his carrying uh, going forward. Matt Phillip, I think, deserves an opportunity in the second row to start off the season. Um, I've seen a lot of good things out of him, and I think... Given we've lost Rory Arnold um, and we've lost, um, who am I missing? Uh, Adam Coleman. Yeah. yeah. I think those two leave quite a big gap at the second row. I think there's a, it's quite open there. I think Rodder probably is going to nail down one spot, but the other spot is definitely open at the moment. Uh, back row, similar to Leo, I've got Valentini, Hooper, Nicerani. And Valentini's really only crept in there over the last couple of weeks, I think. He looked really sprightly in the mm. game against the Sumbles on the weekend. He was running. He was quicker than I thought. Like, he was running really well. Seeing him live, that's absolutely like... I, I didn't have big raps on him. I've, I've known he's a strong player, but definitely seeing him live, like, he's quick down the line. He, he runs at a good depth. Like, you know how some forwards run too flat or they're, they're just not in a good position for those offloads and, and the support play. And he was right there and he was energetic throughout. So I think that really, you know, won, won my heart for this this process of picking an early, too early Wallaby side. He's, he's definitely deserving. I do worry about his knee still. It's heavily strapped and I just feel like there could be one little misstep and he, and he does an ACL again. But at the moment, he's looking good. Um, ran down the line really cleanly there. Did a little death pass to Carter for another try. Like, he's got it all going on at the moment. So... Good on him. I hope he can keep it going because I think the Wallabies could really use him at six, particularly with um, Dempsey really falling off this year. Mm. Uh, uh, and I guess Lucan could fill that gap as well. But I think Valentini's um, a bit of a 
I think he's he's got more talent than Lucan, and he uses his size more effectively. So Valentini there at six, Hooper I think picks himself at seven. Um, he would continue to be my captain. Um, Nicerani at eight again. I think he picks himself one of the form number eights in the competition this year, but not too far behind him would be Harry Wilson, and he will be on my bench. So we'll discuss that in a second. Uh, in terms of halfback, halfback, I think I've, we've forgotten how good Nick White was last year, and I, I'm going to pick him there. I think um, he deserves that opportunity again. Whether he'll be brought in straight uh, in at the start of the year probably remains to be seen, given he's still at the Exeter Chiefs and will only be joining the Brumbies very late on in the piece, so we'll have to see. But partnering him, I'm, I'm giving Lalesio an opportunity. Um, I just think that Jock maybe was showing us his hand for a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if he can do that over the, the full course of the season. I think Lalesio, although it is a bit of a risk picking a rookie there, I think he's shown a lot in the short time that he's played for the Brumbies. Um, I think Nick White could really help him develop. Uh, then going down the back line, Korobiti, easy the best, easily the best left winger in, in Australia. Simone and Kuradrani in the centres. Form centre pairing, Going to work really well with Alessio. Then I've got Jordi Patea on the wing. I think Ooh. he's going to be working his way back from injury. Um, and I was struggling to actually find someone that I really wanted on that right wing. I just think it's time to move away from picking DHP on the wing. I think if you're going to pick him, you have to pick him at fullback. And for me, Tom Banks is the far better player this year. Um, DHP has been solid, in good form, but Banks, I think, just offers a lot more. He's got the raw pace. Um, he's playing with so much confidence now, and he's really mixing his game up, which I like. Uh, and quickly through the bench arch. Murphy, Slipper, Alalatoa, Lucan, Harry Wilson would be there at number eight, that loose head, sorry, that loose forward spot on the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, and then McDermott, Jock, and Beal offering some veterans there at the end. Yeah, very talented um, backs coming on for late in the game with Jock and Beal and Tate to, is again. Man, I'm I'm surprised you're giving Lalesio the start, but I I do like the confidence you're showing in the young in the young man. Um, I'm just really surprised we've all picked the same centre pairings. Mm. Well, I think it's undeniable at this stage the way the Brumbies are playing, and then Simone just he's continuing on where he left off last year, and yeah. he's even better, I think. Yeah. Um, the guy's a confidence player. He had this ability at the Tars. He just never put it all together, and he never put more than, say, one or two games together. Now he's mm. doing that. So I think, particularly coming into an international setup, he's going to get coached even further on this. I think he can I think he can take his game up a couple more notches, to be honest. Mm. Absolutely. And I really hope that Patea is getting back into it for this um, he's he's probably is the future thirteen for the Wallabies, but obviously he's just injuries just killing the momentum for his career. He needs to get healthy and get a bit of t- game time under his belt. I think the way that Kurandrani plays, he could probably teach Patea even more about the thirteen position, and um, hopefully he gets a bit of time to to learn under him. I've just I've just seen your team arch, and I won't give it away, but. You want yeah, me to go through there's, it? A, there's an interesting selection there. You want the me to go row. through it? Yeah, do it. Let's all right, go. all right. So as we're sticking with that Brumbies front row, CFOing at Alatoa, 
I actually have not been that impressed with Rodder this year, and I don't think he's up to standard at the moment. I think in the games that Blythe was playing with him, Blythe stood out more. I'm not giving Blythe the start here. Definitely would be in my squad. I'm actually giving Matt Phillip, I think, has earned his spot. And I actually think Caden Neville for the Brumbies has provided a lot of aggression, a lot of mongrel, actually, coming back from overseas. A lot of high tackles. Hey, he is massive. Rory He's... Arnold high tackled literally everyone, and we still put him in the wall. Yeah. It's true. It's true. He's good for one a game, though. If sports bet ever put that up, make sure you get on the get on the Cater and Neville greater it... than greater than a half high tackles per game. But it's just... he's a veteran as well. He's been around. He's like well, nearly thirty, I think. Yeah, you remember back when he was at the Rebels. Him and Philip were sort of the people. Oh, it was sort of him and like Hugh Pyle at the Rebels for a while there that. People were talking about getting into the Wallabies. They were sort of on the fringes for a while and then sort of disappeared overseas. But I think I think he's done a lot to improve his chances with a very wide-open sort of second row. Um, Ex-rower as well. So he's got the motor. Yeah, absolutely. What what you were alluding to, Toby, I, I haven't put Hooper in, in as my number seven. Um, I've got Valentini at six. I've got Nicerani at eight. But for me... It's it's the overlooked man. It's Pete Samu, who's was killing it last year in Super Rugby, has been killing it this year. And while I'm not sure he can be an international eight, he's got the skills at the breakdown, and he's obviously showing what he can do in terms of open play and defence. I'm going to put Pete Samu in at seven. I don't think Rennie's coming in with this into this thing with the expectation that he has to pick Hooper as his captain, has to have him at seven. I think you've got to consider the fact that Pete Samu might be the best option for you to have at seven. He's been active in the line-out as well. He can be involved there. He can be involved out wide. He can do a lot of the same stuff as Hooper, but you'd argue that sometimes he's even more effective uh, more effective than Hooper. I'd like to know who your captain is there because I'm looking at the rest of your team, which I won't give away, but I think there is lacking in that maybe a, a bit of leadership and... Um, unless you give it to Alalatoa, which is a possibility. I'm, I'm not sure he's ready. That could be my first thought, actually. I'll go through the rest of my team because you're right. And this is a rebuilding team. I've got Nick White in there because you're right, Toby. He was absolutely exceptional. I think we do forget how quickly he usurped Genia early on in the Rugby Championship and a few of those games as the number one nine. Um, I have put Tamua in there at 10. I just... I had Jock there absolutely a couple of weeks ago, but... I don't think that he's quite um, maintained sort of the performance, and I think Tamoa seems to be building, and he's bringing the Rebels along with him. I don't really think that he is a 10, but I'm, I'm willing to give him a shot, shot at the top level, especially if we surround him by um, the talent that we have here. I mean, I've got Simone and TK there. I've got Korobiti on one wing. I've got Banks at fullback. My only big difference to you guys is I've, I've given Maddox the shot um, <laughs> down here as well, because... The dude is definitely going to be a wallaby at some point. Yeah, but he needs to show consistent form at Super Rugby level. Yeah, but he's in the Waratahs now. How can he do that? I don't know. He doesn't get any ball. He doesn't like no clean ball. Like, I'd love to see Banks Banks and Maddox... going to be crippled. Yeah, Banks and Maddox need to form, like, a good bond because I feel like those two are so dangerous at different times. And if they... If they get a good partnership going there at the back, switching in between them, 
Oh, I, I just think that would be so, so dangerous. Um, Maddox probably should have gone to the Brumbies. He would have been in a really good position then. Oh, can you imagine? Playing 14 on the Brumbies, wow. yeah. Wow. Um, similar on my bench, I have Murphy, Slipper, Taniella. Rodder's there on my bench. Hooper's there. I've got Dempsey on my bench um, just to give him, give him that hope, hopefully, that he can improve. And I've got Tate McDermott and Jock. Um, I've got the just two backs on the bench in the split. Um, so that Queensland Red sort of um, connection and Jock is the ultimate utility. Mm. I like a lot of these arch. I, I just don't see Dempsey anymore. I, I just I'm, I'm I'm trying to fill out a thirty. I think you said you had a thirty-one man squad. Doing that, I, I still don't have room for him in there. Like Pete Samu was someone I was going to bring up who I really like. Uh, I think he's like missing my squad. Um, look, I just it's it is maybe that he's playing out of position. I really respect Liam Wright at, as a pilfer at the moment. Yeah. And I'm giving Hooper the nod for the workload. Like, he, he is a valuable piece, and, and my side particularly had a lot of size already. So there was room for him to be in there. Um, but, there's yeah, just I can't see Dempsey. Maybe it is maybe it is just the anchor that is the Waratahs form, just holding these guys back. But, like, Drowning people, like people, people like him and Maddox, they're just like, they just can't get anything going. Um, they don't get ball in space. I feel like Dempsey's maybe more at fault, though, because he's closer to the ball. He does get opportunities. Maybe. And I'm still just not seeing it. Maybe, like, definitely post that, that bad hamstring injury, he's just never quite made it back to being yeah. as, as lethal as he was. And I, I don't want to put it down to that. I don't know. It's just It just looks like he just doesn't have... Um, he, he just can't break the, break the bonds of the shackles of either that injury or, or maybe it's a mental thing. Um, but I don't think being on the Waratahs helps, which, which you know, if he was going to find that form again, I just think the Waratahs are such a hopeless side at the moment. It's going to be really hard for even good players with a lot of potential to, to you know, display their, their skills in that side, which is, well, that was my worry with Nicerani. I thought the Rebels were going to be an absolute basket case and they have been on and off, but they're on the upswing now. Talk about Tamua, like, leading them back into form I I think he and James O'Connor have a bit of similarity because it's kind of a cycle the Reds look good and then they've petered off and then the Rebels didn't look good and now they're on the upswing and and I was worried that Nisarani wouldn't be able to find yeah. form in a, in a wallowing team but um, I actually I think I'm much more worried about Dempsey now he had a lot further to climb to get into contention for a back row spot and the Waratahs are just a really really poor platform for anyone to excel on at the moment yeah yeah, that's... I think I think Nicerani's definitely been the Rebels' best player. Wouldn't you agree? I think over the yeah. season. Yeah, um, that's right. My first comment was that he was good, but I was worried that he yeah. wouldn't be able to maintain that. But the Rebels yeah. have managed to lift, so he's definitely had opportunities. His ability to just get over the game line every single carry is almost unprecedented in in Australian rugby in the last few years. But and his work uh, rate, think, just yeah, his work rate. He just doesn't get tired. Yeah. Um, I wonder. I wonder whether Harry Wilson should be on your bench, Arch. Yeah, he, I mean, I'm looking at it. He's, it. He he could definitely make make a move there. I'd I'd think about having him having him there. In terms of who he I looks ha- great, he he really does, doesn't he? And he's he seems to have a nose for the game, knows where he's supposed to be. Very, um, what disciplined he's as well. Just poised. Yeah, he's poised. He's just like half a dozen games into Super Rugby career, and he he's playing like he's been there for five years. Yeah. 
ridiculous. Speaking of the most talented player on the um, Rebels, what do you guys think about... There's a name... I put Kellaway in my extended squad. Yeah. Do you He's think been close to the Rebels before. Yeah. He's definitely found, found a space there. And, you know, the time spent overseas and time away from the Waratahs and coming back into this this format, when the Rebels are on, he's a big piece of that. Like, he is, he is carving it up on the wing, doing, you know, making a really big effort individually, beating players one-on-one, not just not just being on the end of some good passes. Yeah. So, really impressive. And, again, we, we knew that when, when we talked about young players with potential and they just, again, the Waratah's terrible at developing. trying to get that, developing people, yeah, and getting mm. the most out of them. They just, they just haven't been able to do that in recent years. And, Callaway's done the right thing. He's gone away. He's developed his game, and he's come back a much, much more mature and and diverse player. Yeah, there's a lot of good wingers out there, though. That's the only problem. We're even not even really talking about guys like Dalgunu, Carter. Um, yeah, I was I tempted to put Kellaway. Carter in there. I think he's he's a definitely a, a dark horse coming into this squad because of his size, his ability to finish. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think Kellaway, look, he's more deserved at this stage than Maddox for sure. Um, just taking every opportunity he gets and creating creating some on his own as well. So very impressive. Um, he looks fit. Um, he looks hungry, and yeah, really picking up maybe where he was with the the Waratahs maybe even like six, seven years ago. So mm. um, yeah, he he does look good. A few guys who you know deserve a. A mention like they're going to be on the fringes or come come Wallaby squad selection time. We've mentioned a few of them already. Guys like Blythe, I, I definitely yeah. think Pete Samu will be in there if he's not in the twenty-three. Will Miller, who's who's now owning that seven jersey at the Brumbies, and again very busy, very physical. Even though he's a bit smaller frame than a lot of the opposition. Um, Toby, you had Lalesio in the side. I, I definitely think he'll be brought along as a uh, to develop. Um, but then guys like Angus Bell for the Waratahs, who has now got into that starting side through injuries to Tom Robinson, and I think looks the part. You know, more time, more opportunity for him, and and he's going to be a really valuable front rower through you know potentially the next five, six, seven years at least. Um, Probably, and I think yeah, twelve years, yeah, yeah, he's nineteen. It's crazy. And I think on and on think on form again. We've got a bit of turnover in the hooking ranks. I, I still just can't. Stomach picking Jordan Ulysses just seems to always be injured. It's too high risk for me. I'm going to reward the Rebels' uh, alternative hooker, Naru Rangi, who I think deserves an opportunity now when when the hooking stocks have got a bit thin and he's still out there performing. Heaps of energy, pretty consistent with his set piece. Um, certainly no no weakness in a scrum. I think mm. he's deserving. And, you know, really this is almost his last chance. He's an older guy. Uh, if he's going to make his move, it's, it really should be now or, or maybe never. He is a madman, absolute crazy person, but Nothing he does. Moves. He brings it. He brings it every week, and in in a rebels front row, um, that's pretty hopeless. He's he kind of holds it together. I think. <laughs> I'm surprised no one's um, backed a dark horse hunter Paisami into a, into a Wallabies jersey. Any any of your boys tempted to put him in, slide him in there? I need to see a little bit more. Yeah, not too yet. Early. It's too early. Too early. If he does, Particularly, if I think he does his he's best more of a twelve. Season. You can't see him at thirteen, surely. Maybe twelve. Twelve is it pretty open at the moment. Ten and twelve for the Wallabies. 
is as wide open as, as it's been for a while. Um, I think the back, there's Even a lot nine. of players that can play back three. Um, you're right, scrum half still. You know, if you take Nick White out of the mix, it gets very interesting. Um, 13, I just think you're going to pick TK. I think you've got to do it. Patea was around. You've got maybe to have some stability. Yeah, considering yeah. the amount of turnover you're going to have all over this team, it's probably good to have a couple of guys that, yeah, are, are your experienced players to lean off. Um, and I, I think... do, yeah, I do really think that Samu's stepped away at the wrong time. I think he's made a, a mistake going to Japan <clears throat> at this stage of his career. Um, maybe he's thinking two years there, two years back, back on here before he gets to the World Cup. But he was really hitting form and. You know, would be one of the first guys picked for the Wallabies, and now he doesn't have the opportunity unless they change the rule. They change the Gitto rule and reduce the the criteria for that. Um, a lot of these guys that are overseas now are going to miss out. Especially because we don't really have someone that's a similar type of player um, to Samu, so we're going to build this team now around a different structure. And and that means that it makes it harder for him to come back and come into a team if they've now developed a structure around a 10 and 12 that can both kick, say, um, with either having, like, Jock or Tamua or um, Simone, as we said. Like, these guys have extra sort of distribution skills that Karevi, while he's a great ball runner, can offload, is not probably the um, distributor or the tactical kicker of some of these other guys. Can you play Kurandrani at twelve? Is that an you know is that a missed opportunity that we're not seeing at the moment that he could play further in? He's got great defence. He can hit the line so hard. But he like, doesn't pass. See those, you see those the ball lines. Will never get out. The ball will well, never get out just, past him. Maybe you're using him just as a battering ram, and then you're going next phase. You know. Perhaps, maybe that's the way you perhaps. have to do it. I, I, the lines I he runs off risk. some of the scrums for the Brumbies. Just absolutely, like the same as La Marpi. Um but yeah, it's we don't have the similar guy there that can can fill that in. So you're right, Arch. Whether we have to go back to dual playmaker, that's why I think Simone is such a good option. He's he, almost a bit of both, isn't he? That. Yeah, he's got both options. Yeah, he can probably improve his carrying, to be honest. But he he is really a playmaker. Um, so I think he's really handy there at twelve. Mm. Well, there you go. That's that's our way too early Wallabies prediction. Is there anyone else you guys want to highlight as a potential dark horse or a potential development player before we move on? I think Will Harrison, I don't think he'll get his chance this year, but I I think he will definitely get his chance in a Waratahs team on the weekend on Friday that was really out of sorts. He, he still had those moments where you can see he's got the vision, he's got the skills, um, he just needs some stability around him and, and just to keep getting the nod to, to play there at 10. Don't take him out. If the season's going to be a bit of a, a whitewash, a, a write-off, you you will get a lot out of letting him play through that adversity and challenge. And I, I would just really want to see him stay in there because I think he's definitely a player of the future. I, I can't wait for the contest between you know him and Lalesio as, as the Tamuas and the O'Connors and any other sort of older tens if Foley ever comes back. Like once that generation rolls out, like there's a really exciting young generation. I think that's going to be just a couple of the contenders, mm-hmm. um, you know, in five years' time. They they deserve to cut their teeth now, 
have plenty of reps and they'll be so much better for it. Mm. I, th- I think don't completely rule out Carmichael Hunt. I think he's still got a season or two in him um, as, a, as a veteran in the team, as someone who can defend like no one else. Um, <clears throat> not, he's not quite hitting his straps at the moment. Yeah, but he's, he's a long way off his best right now. Something would have to change. down the track. Yeah, he'd have so to he'd, he'd have to do really... what Beal does and really start to fire in the second half of the season and really they change would, how he's going. What I saw on Friday, like Carmichael Hunt still bringing the aggression, first up contact, but not sticking, like bouncing off, falling down, chasing back, no penetration in his runs. He he definitely looks like he's mm. he's lost a, a step there. He he he, the, you know the the mind is still strong. He's trying to you know, hit everything with the same intensity in defense and offense. I just, I just don't the see mind the penetration. Strong, the and, body is weak. Yeah. I, he just looks flustered. He just looks a bit ragged and, and he's not quite, um, he's not delivering. his crazy homeless man self. Bring, bring back the homeless man hair and the beard. Yeah. That's what he needs. That's what he needs a little bit. But he and Beale looked really out of sorts late in that, se- in that second half. They were just bad. And those yeah. are the senior guys in that team. They could not get it together. Um, it didn't help when, Guys like Lockie Swinton are throwing passes ten meters behind the back line, and they shouldn't even be in the, you know, receiving uh, line for the for the play. But they just they just had had nothing. Like I, think, I agree with what you're saying. You had to step up in the second half of the season. That's a big year. We really forget as well. Going back to Beal, he's 13, 14 years into his career. It's ridiculous. Like how long he's been playing. Yeah. We've we've got to actually think when does this come to an end in terms of his Wallabies career. He still looks sprightly, like he does look good at times. But early on in the season, we're just we're, we're not seeing the consistency. And this happened last year. He really picked it up towards the end of the season, as did Foley as well. I just think that Bill's got to be careful with this new coach coming in. He doesn't have the credit that he kind of built up under Checker. Mm. Um, and obviously, he was one of the favourites of Robbie Dean as well. Dean's as well. So I think. Rennie's going to have a real clean slate here. If Bill doesn't really start to improve his performances in the next few weeks, I think he may struggle to to even be in the 23. Mm. Um, you'd have to think he's in the squad, but does he get into the 23 if, with these type of performances? I would suggest no. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, so. definitely at risk of missing out altogether for not. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's quickly jump to the Northern Hemisphere because we had another round of Six Nations. Only two games took place because the Ireland-Italy game has been postponed. Still no word on exactly when that's going to be. Uh, we had England hosting Wales at Twickenham and almost succumbing to the Dragons there. Um, Manu Tuolangi suffered a red card and Ellis Genge with a yellow card and really let the Welsh back into it um, in the last sort of five, six minutes of this game. They almost snuck home a victory, but 33-30, England win. The bigger, probably, surprise is Scotland and Murrayfield take down France, 28-17, and uh, I haven't been able to go back to this game, but another red card um, late in the first half and straight off in the fourth minute, a yellow card for the French. So, again, another game marred by penalties, marred by cards, and potentially having the outcomes change due to these things. Yeah, and I actually didn't see this either, but I think Scotland have done really well here to upset France, and I think this now keeps the the competition very interesting. Um, The only wild card in in this is coronavirus, and when 
Ireland versus Italy will be played. And also, I believe that England versus Italy in Rome has been postponed as well, which yeah. will be on next weekend. So that's been postponed. Um, so you're going to have two of the teams that are actually fighting it out for the championship um, with a game in hand. Um, so there were some suggestions it's going to be played a couple of months down the track. So we're not going to have a clear winner until then. Mm-hmm. Um, France's chance, obviously, the Grand Slam is now gone. So it'll still be, I believe, Ireland, potentially if they beat France. Um, they'll take France out of it. But So that's probably the, the most important game at this stage. But if England win the last game against Italy, um, they have the potential to, to win the Six Nations still. Yeah, which is a real surprise, I think, from from what their first performance was in, in Paris yeah. to, to now them sort of overcoming everyone. Did you see Joe Marler, what he did in this game to Alan Wynne-Jones? No, what he did? I do? couldn't find any, any image, but I read about it. He was grabbing, yeah, he's grabbing his testicles or his, the groin area, having giving him a little tickle. It was more of a joke than anything to Marla, but Alan Wynne-Jones was just like bemused by the whole situation. Like, what are, what are you doing, mate? Like, uh, I think coming off a mall or something. That's absolutely classic Marla, isn't it? Yeah. And he's just put on his Twitter last night. He just wrote bollocks, absolute bollocks. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> the thing that the thing that struck me after on the, the press conference, they asked Alan Wynne Jones about it, and he was like, "Can you please please be more specific about what you're talking about?" And this made the the journalist kind of delve in deeper to what they're actually <laughs> trying to ask him. Um, but he was like, "You know, Joe's a good bloke." Um, this sort of thing, like we can't just focus on this. It's like an overall thing, and we. We've got to be sure that we're we're balanced in this the view of this. He didn't come out and say that, you know, Joe Marler should be suspended for years. But I think he wants World Rugby to really look at it closely in terms of a precedent. Um, Marler could be out for six months wow. with, with some of the the discussion around this. It was a, just a really stupid thing. He obviously thinks it's funny. Um, probably trying to unsettle Alan Wynne Jones, which is pretty difficult to do. Um, surprised that Wynne Jones didn't just smack him. But if you look at some of the footage, it is just strange. It's just strange behaviour. Um, and, yeah, I think he'll be punished quite harshly. It's just something you don't see very often. And it wasn't that he was trying to hurt him. He was actually just trying to freak him out, I think, overall. So it was, it was a weird thing for Marla to do. We know he's a weird cat, but this is kind of next level. Yeah, def- definitely a bit of a weirdo. Um, so... I don't know if it's even worth looking ahead at the Six Nations games because it's going to mm-hmm. be sort of strange a little bit. So, as you said, Ireland are playing France potentially this weekend. Italy are playing England at some point, And um, Scotland are playing Wales. Uh, in Cardiff. Kind of, yeah, in Cardiff. Um, which probably will be the best match to see of, of these. Uh, Scotland-Wales uh, often quite hard-fought games. Well, I think France, France-Ireland... Because it's such an important game for both teams will be massive, but yeah, it's it is a bit frustrating that coronavirus is unsettling the Six Nations. Even um, it, it, we just have no idea when it's going to be decided. So mm. I think tune in, but yeah, it's it's going to be a while till we actually know what's going on there. Yeah, well, we're probably lucky it hasn't affected the Super Rugby more. I mean, obviously the Sunwolves have been affected, but. Um, luckily there's been minimal sort of outbreaks between Australia, New Zealand, South Africa. So we're not seeing any travel restrictions as yet. Um, 
Round seven kicks off on Friday, and the Chiefs are hosting the Hurricanes down in Waikato. Um, probably a bit of pressure on the Canes to to put a put on a bit more of a polished performance him here, but I don't I don't see them taking down the Chiefs at home. No, nah, Chiefs. I think they're too good. I mean, Chiefs could easily top this conference. Um, I just think they're class. They're, they're winning. Then they're winning big without McKenzie still. So, not sure what his status is at the moment. But I think the Chiefs will do this pretty easily. Yep, sweep it. I I reckon the Chiefs at home with that uh, firepower in the backs and a better unit up front have definitely got the got the goods to beat the Hurricanes. What about the Blues hosting the Lions? Lions yet to taste any victory on this tour. Um, two losses in Australia, and it may not get um, that much easier against the Blues this weekend. Lions to starve, Blues to win. Yeah, Blues continue will continue their winning form and probably make it four in a row here. So, yeah, I think it's the Lions are just not the team they were, and they're still struggling. Um, they used to be a great touring side, but yeah, they just they don't look the same anymore. What about uh, the first of our Saturday night doubleheader, um, the Sunwolves hosting the Crusaders? And so points the Sunwolves have now conceded over the last couple of weeks, 47 points last week, uh, 62 the week before, and then 64 the week before that. And then 43 actually the week before that versus the um, Chiefs as well. So... What do you reckon? Can can Crusaders top top all those, or are they going to come in somewhere in the middle? I don't think they'll they'll be the top scoring group, but it'll be forty comfortably. I just think it it depends on the the fifteen they put out. They're likely to rest some guys, I think, for this game. If it was a full strength team, I I would back a, a gigantic score on this one. But I, I get the sense they're probably going to give. Some of the younger guys are running and rest some of their superstars. They did rest some people this week, however. So do you think they're going to rest people two weeks in a row? That's quite a long break. They might rest a couple of different different names, um, potentially. Obviously, Havili and Enor got rested this week. Maybe maybe you do see um, Mwanga, Mwanga or Reese or something or um, Goodhue um, mm. getting a rest. Scotty, I mean, there's still those... All Blacks restrictions for players where they have to be limited to a certain amount of minutes. Um, Scotty Robertson's just really good at, at balancing out his selections yeah. and, and knowing when to rest guys. So have no doubt he'll do that again. And I think very comfortable from them playing in pro- hopefully some good conditions up there in, in Suncorp. And mm. I think the Crusaders will still put on a pretty decent score. So for the Queenslanders, I think get up there and support this game as well because you're going to see a, a, a good spectacle. Exactly. A name to, I reckon, keep an eye out for the Crusaders in the future, Dallas McLeod. He came in at 12 um, this weekend for the Reds game, but he just looked absolutely crotty-esque um, in there at 12. He's a fairly big body. He's not that heavy, but it seems to definitely make an impact when he when he hits the ball up, and uh, it's just another, another name the Crusaders are going to keep rolling on through. Um, second... Game in that doubleheader, the Reds are hosting the Bulls. The Bulls obviously getting that first win um, on the weekend. They finally took my advice. They finally started Marnie Leboc, um in their ten instead of Mornay Stain. And look where it got them. Got them their first win of the season. And the Reds, well, the Reds, uh, they're a little bit under pressure here as well after 
losing to the Sharks last time, but they, they usually have a pretty good um, go against the Bulls. That's normally a team that um, struggles to, to take down the Reds, especially at Suncorp. I think you know what my tip will be. Okay, so Leah's going for the, the Bulls. Uh, <laughs> I know you love you love Marnie LeBoc, don't you? And Warren Gallant. Not as much as you do. Money LeBoc. No, Reds at home, uh, strong displays the last few weeks, even though they haven't come away with the wins. I, I don't think the Bulls will bring it on tour. I think last week was the outlier. Certainly potential if, if uh, the Reds um, don't, don't show up. But I think their defense has been so strong, they're not going to let these Bulls break out no matter who's at 10. Just can't have another situation like they, they, they had against the Sharks. I think every game they've been in this season, the Reds, they've really had an opportunity to win all the games, but they only won from six. So they desperately need a win. Um, I think the Bulls, again, yeah, they're, they're not quite a class South African outfit as we've seen in previous years. Reds will be disappointed, I think, if they don't win this game. And they need to desperately. So, um, if they play like they did against the Crusaders, they need to decide who's their kicker and yeah, stick with him. Yeah, who should be kicking? Do I think bring Higgity back in. Take Dermot. I don't understand what's going on. Um, yeah, it's 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 bad. It's getting really bad at the moment. They're Give losing Tammy them games. I'm sure he can do a better job. Jock Campbell, he's he's playing well apart from his kicking. His his place kicking's been terrible. So. Yeah, we'll have I to see who they give it to this week. He may well be doing it on purpose because he's like, I'm playing so well, I can't change anything about what I'm doing. So I was terrible the first game I played well at kicking. So He uh, should be careful. It might cost him his spot in the team, particularly mm. with Hegarty and Lucas floating around. And if Jock comes back in at 10, Jock Campbell better be careful. Mm, potentially. This is a massive game. Sharks and Stormers um, still out there in Durban, but really the two sort of powerhouses um, down there in South Africa. Obviously, the Sharks taking that in the Hags last week. Can they do the same to the Stormers? Yeah, I think they can, and I changed my tip late on this one. I had the Jags, and then I saw this Sharks back line, this Sharks lineup. They're starting 15, and I thought, that's class. Like They just look good. Um, it's all coming together for them, and I think they're a more, far more dangerous team than the Stormers. Um, and they're just in form. The travel didn't matter to them. They came out firing, and they're on a bit of a streak here. Um, I'm taking the Sharks. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my early season tip. Um, right now, I'm sitting on a draw because I want to see the lineups and just make sure I, the Stormers are as I'd expect them to be at full strength. But no, given both teams with a full complement of players to select from, I'm, I'm going to take the Stormers in a narrow one. Um, I think I think they've got some senior forward players that can, you know, really put the squeeze on the Sharks, and I think the backs can step up when they get the right platform. So, and it's really a game they need to win. Like we looked at their schedule, and the Stormers can't afford to be losing. Con, you know, contestable games early yeah. in the season. I think they're going to know they need to get a win now because the Sharks are going to have a lot of a lot of good games coming up, and the Stormers' schedule is a lot more difficult. So if they recognise that now, they need to lift and put their stamp on this conference now. Mm. Look, I'm I'm sticking with you, Leah, which I'm not sure is the smartest move given this is South African derby. But um, I've been better this year. Yeah, I think we batted everything else. The the good thing is that the main weapon the Sharks seem to have is that rush defense. 
But who else plays that rush defense? Um, the Springboks. And what is the Stormers team full of? The Springboks. They're, they're going to be able to counter this and they're going to be able to know what the Sharks' um, game plan is. And I think the Stormers forwards are a powerful bunch and they've got got the names to really put um, put the pressure on this Sharks team. So I'm, I'm backing a forward-oriented battle um, and I think that's where the Stormers are, are the stronger stronger team. Um, going over to South America, the Hagiwara is hosting the Highlanders and obviously the Hags be disappointed um, a couple of losses on their trip over to South Africa. Um, they'd definitely be keen to get their season back on track and it's probably the the game to do it against a Highlanders team that seem to be reeling a little bit this year. Um, just just don't quite know their own identity, I think. Yeah, don't have the depth. Um, look, I think the Jags coming back home, they'll be happy to get home after three weeks on tour. Um, and I think that they will get back on track here. Highlanders, I think, by far the worst team in the New Zealand Conference. And... They're just, yeah, they're struggling. They're, they're struggling to actually know, I think, what their best 15 is. Got Yuani still playing there at 12. Um, I just think they have some sort of selection headaches there 10? because of depth. I'd probably play him at 15, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they're missing really a center combination. Rob Thompson, they had, um, what's his name? I've forgotten his name. Tompkinson. Uh, white guy with a Maori name. Hey, yeah, that guy. So <laughs> if they can get back to I think Mitch Hunt is class. I think he's a good player. Um, but he, they need to, to have that combination in the centers. And I think Yuani at 15 actually gives him some added space mm. um, for him to be creative. So I like him back there. Um, don't know what they're going to do here. I think they're, they are struggling for form. It's just um, it is tough for them on tour. And, and trying to actually get back on track in, in South America is going to be tough. Yeah, I agree. I think the the Hagiwaras will definitely have uh, full full backing from the bookies in this one. The the Highlanders haven't looked like delivering a, an eighty minute performance all season, and they just don't seem to have quite, as you said, the depth that the just there's need, they need like another senior player in there just to steady the ship. Aaron Smith's a great player. The younger guys, Joshuani and and Mitch Mitch Hunt, um, they're like they they're good, but there's just not quite enough there. And and Rob Thompson is again he's good, but maybe he's not the leader that they need. Like I just feel like they're they're missing someone like the rock at the back in Ben Smith. So if they can if they can settle in and maybe Joshua to fullback is the right move. Try and develop him. Uh, you know, talking to the guys out the back and keeping the keeping the line strong, getting forwards into the right position. Like you know, when Aaron Smith's not there barking at them, they need some sort of change. Maybe they've seen saying that we haven't and they're trying to force this arrangement, but it's just not working for me. I, I think they need to make that change, like you said, Toby, and uh, that, that would be good for the rest of the season. I don't see them winning this game. That's, that's more of a, you know, trying to recover what's left of this season. And the last game of the round, um, the Brumbies, Sunday evening, hosting the Waratahs. And I feel like this is just going to be a rough, rough way to end the weekend for the Tars. They're going to be thinking about this all week, and I don't think I can see a way for them to to really get out of this game looking anywhere near respectable. Is there any way they finish within seven of the Brumbies, you think? 
Yeah, I do. I, do. I think it's going to be a tight one, actually. I really? think it's going to be brutal. I think some of these these Tars are going to be pretty frustrated, particularly in the back row there. I think they're going to try and absolutely batter each other, these teams. Um, Brumby should win it, but wouldn't be surprised if it was only by, say, five to ten points. Seven, yeah, I guess that's the hinge there. If it, if it gets... The Brumbies get ahead early. Um, I think the Tars will just capitulate. But if they can keep it tight and hopefully they don't make the same mistake as they did against the Chiefs in that second half and just drop their bundle, the the Brumbies are by far the better team. Yeah, the Waratahs have the potential, but against the Brumbies at home, I think they will get points early. Their strong forwards uh, game will will yield a couple of tries from lineouts, small scrums. They're just too efficient a unit and... The Waratahs forwards are probably their biggest weakness at the moment. Like they're in, they're in uh, flux in the back. They've got some young guys there and, and some new players like Maddox. But the forward outfit is just awful. Like um, Lockie, Lockie Swinton was was you know is a big part of their game. Like he's a big physical ball runner, brings a lot of aggression. But it was so so scatter shot on the weekend. It, it it just really didn't deliver any impact. There was some drop ball. There was some some big hits on on players that had already passed it down the line, so he's really just wasted the energy pushing people around. Like, need to channel that that aggression and that that unit of eight forwards needs to play together. And um, you know, we can't just see Hooper doing everything week in week out. I just don't think that that group will will find a way against the Brumbies. They're they're too organised, they're too disciplined, and they'll mm-hmm. just have them for breakfast. Yeah, I, I see the Brumbies. Um asserting some dominance here but i mean this is a game where like every aussie derby like people are gonna be fighting for some of those wallaby spots against each other like this is a game where beal needs to step up and show that um that he can play up to the same level as banks like you talk about oh well for me hooper versus pete samu that's another performance dempsey um is going up against having against someone like um valentini you have even the front rowers. You think, is Angus Bell going to be able to stand up against what is the Wallabies' front row here? So, a lot of key performances. Um, I really hope we see Jake Gordon come back a little bit to to the norm of what we expect for his form. I know none so, of us... Jake Gordon... Has he dropped? He was he dropped? No, he was injured for... He was injured. Okay. He was okay. injured and um, mid-short had to had to come in for him but I just we were so positive about this guy and now we're talking about the Wallabies and it's it's the first time we've talked about the Wallabies really and none of us have mentioned him because he's he's just not not up to that standard and this was his year it was wide open for him um with no guarantee Nick White will be back in time it it just he's letting guys like I honestly most of the Lawrence is out playing him McDermott's out playing him Joe Powell's outplaying him. Even Ryan and Lonigan probably looks like he's outplaying him just from, yeah. uh, you know, a few performances there. So, Jake, look, mate, we love you, mate. You, you can step up here. I think you just need to take this season by the scruff of the neck and, and show your dominance, show your running game. I think that's something he really hasn't shown enough of this year. He, he can He's a genuine try scorer. Um, he's had seasons in the NRC where he scored 10 tries. Um, and I think the Tars need some of that variance in attack there. Um, help Will, Will Harrison out and take some sniping runs. So ho- hopefully he's back. And, um, yeah, 
can put in a performance against a pretty hot Brumbies team. Mm. All right, I think we'll probably leave it there for today, boys. Um, lovely to hear your words on, on this way too early Wallabies picks. Um, we might try and get a few of these teams up somewhere on social media, see if um, what people think. So have a look out for that and make your comments, see what you think, see if there's any names you think we're completely overlooking. That We'll put them up maybe on Twitter. That's at Running Rugby Pod. Um, Instagram should be following us at Running Rugby Podcast. And make sure that you have subscribed to us on Apple iTunes or Spotify, of course. Um, another weekend, another another list of tips that you guys should be following. If you just follow what I tell you to do, you'll make some money. No. Well, the Crusaders are favoured by 41 against the Sunwolves. What do you take? Do you take the over? Take the under? You wait for the team to come out and then you take the over because... The Crusaders are definitely going to win by more than 41. You'd have to think so. There you go. Free money. <laughs> you said it last week. It just won 29, I think. And they won by 32 or something. That's what happens. Yeah, you're doing well. Right. Yeah. they got to listen to me. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in once again. We'll be back next week. Remember, keep on running. Run. Scrap the ghetto rule and I pick Samu Karevi at 12. <laughs> that is my plan. It no longer serves a purpose. Change it. Mm-hmm. We'll call it the Karevi rule. You only need 20 you games. Need one, you need one cap and one year. <laughs>